0: Welcome to WWDD. She has been known for dishing out advice on people's careers for the last 20 years, empowering professionals every day. As one of the top executive recruiters, Dipali Vyas has reviewed more than 100,000 resumes and interviewed over 30,000 executives from startups to Fortune 500. She knows what good looks like. Get the inside scoop on what would Dipali do to land that next job promotion, ask for that salary increase, or build that rock star resume. Dipali is unlocking her network of industry experts and entrepreneurs to help you learn their secrets to success the real way they got it done. Now here's your host of WWDD, Dipali Vyas. We are here to build a community empowering professionals every day. Disclaimer, views expressed here are solely that of Dipali Vyas.
1: Hi everyone, thank you for joining me today. I have a super interesting guest right in time for Valentine's Day because she happens to be a heart doc. Dr. Shimoli Shah is a dynamic and talented physician and she has had extensive experience in managing and leading a large high volume cardiovascular practice she has been caring for cancer patients with heart issues called cardio oncology and heart disease in women she loves working on solving the most complex problems and she has received numerous awards recognizing both her clinical and leadership talent she currently practices at the mayo clinic in scottsdale arizona it's such a treat to have her we're going to talk all things heart healthy And like I said, it's right in time for Valentine's Day. Welcome, Dr. Shah.
2: Thank you, Dipali. I'm super excited to be here today.
1: So first of all, tell us, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in the Bronx, New York.
1: How was that?
2: I um, grew up in a um, two-bedroom apartment with my parents, my older brother, and my grandmother. And... um, uh, learned very early on the power and importance of community as well as independence
1: yeah it sounds like it was a uh, interesting time to to grow up in uh the bronx and we obviously have heard a lot of uh great people coming out of the bronx and so you are certainly one of them um when did you decide you wanted to go into medicine
2: I knew very early on um, that um, helping others fed my soul. I would say that I realized that probably at the age of 12 or so. And
1: how did you learn about the world of medicine? Why, why did it appeal to you?
2: Actually the way that it started was um, we had these next door neighbors who actually um, adopted our family so to speak. Uh, when, my, uh, when my father moved into the apartment building, and they became an extension of our family as mm-hmm. well. And um, one of them uh, became a bit sick uh, when I was around the age of 12, and I would help take care of him quite a bit. Mm. And through that, I had exposure to medicine and illness, and chronic illness. At that point, I decided that helping others was something that I wanted to dedicate my life to.
1: Well, that's um, that's really interesting. Uh, You know, it's it's really interesting that you grasp that at such a young age. Um, You know, oftentimes growing up, I often find that doctors, in particular, or that particular profession. People know that they want to do that so early on versus other professions. It um, just—it's just something that has always um, always been that way. When I when I ask doctors in particular, Um, look, look, look—you have so many accomplishments, but I'd love to understand about tell us about the failures you encountered on your education journey, and you know any bumps in the road and getting into med school. I know I can see all these people kind of pulling their hair out when it comes to their MCATs and and thinking about med school. And and it's a a high pressure environment. So um, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, it's funny when you use the word failure, I can definitely identify things going back to even my college admission process, which I perceived as a failure. But now looking back on it 20 years later, I think we're actually um, exercises in building resilience and strength. Um, And very early on, for example, um, I um, I was disappointed by my options for college.
1: Really? How so?
2: Well, all my friends got got into Ivy League schools, and I didn't. And I thought, well, gee, I must not be good enough. I must not be smart enough. Um,
1: well, NYU's not too shabby. No, it's not. <laughs>
2: it's not. But um, I I didn't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, And even while I was in in undergrad and pre-med, there's just so much pressure, and I remember um, not doing as well as I wanted to in uh, one semester of honors organic chemistry. In in fact, the professor, who was extremely um, eccentric in retrospect, told me that I had dyslexia. Oh my god. Um, And uh, I never had been diagnosed with dyslexia. I don't have dyslexia. I didn't (laughs) when I was in college. But I couldn't understand his exams. I just couldn't comprehend what he was looking for. And um, at the end of that semester, I got a B. And it was the first B I had ever gotten and it sounds absolutely ridiculous. But I thought that was it. I thought I'd never get into med school. That was the end of the world. It was the end of the world. And I remember laying in bed for like 24 hours and my brother... Um, would come in and be like, what is wrong with you? What is going on? And I look back in that and um, part of me laughs, part of me feels sad that I was, you know, so convinced that my life was over.
1: Um, So you hear that kids? o B (laughs) is perfectly fine and you can become a cardiologist and and be on your merry way. But uh, yeah, I mean, look again, pressure and I guess you're really hard on yourself.
2: Yeah, I think that you know, if you ask me, um, if there was something that I could change, going back to being a young student, it would probably be being knowing that um, uh, I was the only one who could be kind to myself, and that yeah. I that um, that is super important as you go through your education and your career. Yeah, is to show yourself the same kindness that you show others. Um,
1: yeah, no, that's that's really important. And you know, Shamali, we always focus on the how in my podcast. So for all the aspiring students that want to go into medicine, tell us everything about how you studied for your MCATs and how you chose your med school prospects, right? Um, we'd love to understand that. And then again, you know, talking about the med school application process, which you know, for for someone like me, um, I would have no clue about, and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that would be really interested in just unpacking that a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I you know, I think once I had decided that I definitely was going to pursue medicine, um, I I started building my resume, so to speak, in freshman year of college, and so that meant, for example. Um, Becoming involved in a research laboratory. um, Volunteering um, uh, at various hospitals. I was a volunteer for one hospital in New York City, um, which is also where my research lab was, um, or the research lab that I was working in was. Mm -hmm. Um, Building connections, building connections with your professors and with your peers, and peers that are older than you, who have the perspective of having gone through the process. Um, As far as the actual application and taking the MCATs, I um, remember actually taking the MCATs twice. The first time I didn't score as well as I wanted to. And once I got over that initial disappointment, I just um, used that, I channeled that disappointment into persistence. And I just Hmm. didn't give up. And every day I would go to the library and for 12 hours a day I would just study wow. and do the exercises and keep testing myself and the second time I took it I did quite well um, and uh, um, that together with um, some of the research experience I had with along with the volunteer experience and I would say most importantly for me my the key to my success has always been finding mentors and people who saw what I couldn't see in me and advocated for me.
1: I I love that you said that because, you know, of the the 12 or so episodes that I've had on the podcast, one of the biggest themes that we always come down to is mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I found your answer really insightful that even at that young age, um, being able to network and figuring out a mentor or two, it sounds like, um, really made all the difference. And you know, the advice that I give to a lot of professionals out there, uh, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, these things are applicable across the board and finding a good mentor, whether it's informal or formal. You know, these are people that are going to be able to give you some sort of guidance, be your champion, um, point out your blind spots and motivate you. Right. And those are the people that you have to to really look for. Um, With that said, I'd love to understand what differentiated you from the thousands of other med school applicants. We know that it's tough to get into med school. We know that it's highly competitive. You've been to one of the most competitive uh, med school. So, why do you think you got into the school of your choice? And and tell us a little bit about how you made that happen.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I think it was probably I don't for me it was not one thing. It was not uh, you know an exam, a particular exam score, um, or a particular research paper that I published. It was the entire package. And I think that my strength always has um, uh, been in others recognizing my ability to reflect my um persistence my resilience um and um my genuine desire um to become a doctor Mm -hmm. i think that um
1: well it sounds like it was a lot of authenticity that came across
2: yeah i think so that's great i think
1: so um well, look, everybody talks about med school and fretting for med school, and, and so you got there, you're in, you're in one of the, the great programs. And then after med school, residency, mm-hmm. which is its own mm-hmm. beast, mm-hmm. so I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about, tell us about your training. Where did you train, how were the hours, and how did you survive?
2: Yeah, so I would say residency was a completely transformative process. Um, I so I went to medical school at New York University, and after that, um, I uh, did my internal medicine residency at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. So, um, and that experience changed my entire life. First of all, it was the first time that I had left New York City. Oh wow! To live in in a different place um, that was eye opening. Um, and um, training at Mass General is probably you know uh one of the most unique experiences um that I will ever have um just from the standpoint of the people that I met um and the brilliant minds that I got to work under um as far as the nuts and bolts of how I survived it's really interesting because you are in it together with a team Mm -hmm. and it's a fairly it was a fairly large residency program you know between years um uh, one to three and when you're in it together you don't really pause to reflect on how many hours you're necessarily working of course you're tired and
1: but how many hours was it really
2: um it was prop on busy weeks it was probably you know somewhere between 80 to 90 hours yeah um, this was before before um, all the rules and regulations yeah. but you know, on some rotations, every fourth night you would you would be in the hospital for a total of thirty hours. Um, oh but there God. was there were so many magical things that happened. Whether it was with a patient at two o'clock in the morning, or whether it was friendships that formed, you know, at the coffee stand when you couldn't keep your eyes open and you just craved, you know, carbs. Um, And some of those people are are still some of my best friends. In fact, I met my husband in residency. Yeah. Um, The other Dr. Shah. The other Dr. Shah. The
1: better half. So, okay. So I
2: have to ask because
1: I am, you know, obviously a novice when it comes to med school, but all those silly little shows like Grey's Anatomy, which we all love, and it's our guilty pleasure. How true are those compared to what you lived in residency, or do you just kind of shake your head when when you see? those
2: well you're kind of talking to a person who isn't the biggest <laughs> the biggest <laughs> the biggest uh, expert on uh, TV however <laughs> for the most part I, I would say obviously a lot of it is you know pretty exaggerated but yeah um but some of it really isn't some of it isn't I mean yeah. it's a very intense time And I, you know, I emerged from that, from that training as a very different person. Yeah. And you see the world through a very different lens. What did
1: you think in your training that you learned was so invaluable? If it's the one thing that you can kind of point to.
2: Hmm. I have to think about that because there were so many invaluable lessons. Um... I would say um, the most in, one of the most invaluable lessons was uh, not underestimating the power of being authentic. Yeah. And um, working hard. Yeah. I mean, over and over and over again, it was um, clear to me that um, in order to succeed that authenticity and to this day is just, is so important yeah. and so it can be so exhilarating and so draining at the same time. And honestly, is one of the things I continue to struggle with today. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you wish you would have learned during training that you didn't?
2: Oh gosh, so much. Knowing um, what you know today, right? Yeah. So what happens after training? So after part one of my training, I wound up doing Um, Four more years of additional training and and then emerged, um, you know, at the age of 33 as a cardiologist. Yeah. When most of the world had started their lives a decade earlier. Yeah. Um, You know, lots of things you don't learn because there simply isn't enough time or just traditionally hasn't been a very heavy focus of medical education. But you then get launched into the real world and have your first job. Yeah. And I wish I had learned about. Um, the basics of leadership skills. Mm-hmm. I wish I had learned about negotiation because I feel like what we do in our day-to-day life uh, as a doctor so much of it is actually negotiation. We don't well, call it that, yeah. but, it, but it is negotiation. Negotiating right. personalities, negotiating with patients. Um, soft skills. Uh, soft skills, yeah. 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 I wish I had learned about I wish I had learned about um, I wish I had learned about, um Managing my finances yeah. and understanding how to budget and understanding what to look for in my first job and how to define my priorities. Yeah, um, yeah. and
1: it sounds like you know in your your peer group, you know, it was sort of a, a, a you were sort of ten years behind the the corporate experience mm-hmm. that most you know graduates have coming out of college because you were in training. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you are a young female cardiologist. So, switching gears, what is that like? What what is it? You know, what is your experience like being a very young? You look young, uh, and uh, you know, coming into the room as a cardiologist, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
2: so I still like to think of myself as young, (laughs) but it is it is going to be my this is my eighth year as being an attending cardiologist. and I'd say the journey has been interesting. I think cardiology overall is um, very male-dominated, mm-hmm. um, and um, that being said, though I've you know um, I've been fortunate enough to um, work at um, two places that um, really have embraced um, embraced me as you know as a young uh, faculty member. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you set yourself apart in a, in a
1: male-dominated, you know, cardiology field? What, you know, how, how what are you doing now that's setting you setting you apart from the others? And tell us a little bit about, you know, the the, the women's clinic and and sort of the initiatives that you're you're starting.
2: Yeah. So my focus to date um, has been um, heart disease in women, and um, uh, I was uh, on faculty at Oregon Health and Sciences University. Uh, for several years where I um, I directed the, the program and one of the most rewarding things I did during that time was actually together with several other colleagues started a support group for women with heart disease mm. um, and um, again and again as I continue to take care of patients um, no matter how simple or complex their medical issues are Um, I'm reminded and humbled by how important it is for people to feel a human connection, especially when they feel like they're losing control of their health. And they're scared. And they're scared. And to be able to identify with others who have a similar experience. And I would say that type of work is really what has probably set me apart um, and is very much um, a passion of mine, Um, thinking about individuals as a beyond just their disease and as a whole is so important to the healing process and you know I call it the physical rehab and the the mental rehabilitation after yeah. after being diagnosed with cardiac disease
1: yeah well look you know you have such a heavy heavy job during the day and you have, you're a mom uh, uh, with two beautiful kids, Avi and Maya, Shout out to them. Uh, how do you balance it? How do you balance being a doc and you know coming home with, you know, you share a lot of people's burdens and you come home and you know, two kids are, are jumping all over you. How, how do you make all that happen?
2: So not alone, I, <laughs> I absolutely couldn't do it without the partner that I have, and um, I think to everyone who's listening out there, who's at the beginning of their career, or, um, or, or wherever you are, I mean, I think you need, you know, for me, um, I need help, and I need a partner, mm-hmm. and the power of that partnership, um, I, I just can't say enough about it. in fact, I tell my kids about it, even though they're only four and six. Um, because we live that every day. As far as, you know, juggling everything, I I don't look at my career as a a sprint. I look at it as a marathon. And throughout that journey, um, you know, especially being younger in my career and being a young mom, um, there have been choices that I've had to make, and I continue to make, and difficult ones with a lot of you know, opinions around you about what you maybe should be doing or could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I just have to choose what feels right to me yeah. and allows me to be present in both spaces. And it is exhausting, but I don't think it's... I, I think that, you know, if you talk to any young um, professional um, professionals, and honestly moms or dads in, in 2021... We we all have similar pressures, yeah. and I think we we just have to make certain choices um, and be okay uh, with those choices because they feel right. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: a lot of um a lot of our our listeners call in and say, you know, it's hard for me to say no. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to so, say mm-hmm. no to my boss. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to say no to new work. It's you know, and these are all difficult choices, and you have to manage and balance for mental and physical health so on that topic which i'm so for my audience out there i get lectured by dr Shaw almost every other month um about being heart healthy uh so dr Shaw, why don't you talk to us about your philosophy on being heart healthy
2: I didn't know I had a philosophy. Oh, you do! You, you do! Think I do! You do. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest thing is really just um, working on your mind and working on your your physical body. And as far as the easier part is working on the physical health, it's you know really just trying to get movement in several times a week, and that means very different things for different people. And there is no right one, there is no formula. Um, uh, it's just moving. Yeah. There's walking Well, you and I had this conversation mm-hmm.
1: and I said, you know, obviously my, my days are equally jam packed mm-hmm. and, um, I need some stress relief, but like the, the best thing that you told me over the weekend was, you know, you can do these Uh, exercises in sort of in in snackable form right so you know if that means getting up and doing something for 15 minutes I'd love to you know hear a little bit more about that
2: oh absolutely in fact the New York Times had an article about it just a few months ago and um, for example sometimes I'm I'm in the office um, and I will have a half an hour break and I have been forcing myself to bring my sneakers and my workout clothes and I will just quickly log on and do a ten or fifteen minute workout in my office. Really? Yeah. Like
1: what? Like a like a Peloton video no, like or like what? With, what do you just look up something.
2: Well, I have a I have a, a trainer that I subscribe to her. Okay. Her um her program. And I just put on a video, and I bring in resistance bands, and I either jump around in my office or I go outside to the parking lot a lot. Oh, really? Now, I live in Arizona. Yes, we so can't we can't do that, can't do that, that here. here. Yes. And I go to, to a far corner of the parking lot where nobody will see, me um, and I run around. So
1: the, the, the Arizonians <laughs> out there, please, if you get a glimpse, if you if you can do, uh, YouTube that and send us a video of that, I'd love to see Dr. Shaw jumping around in the parking lot by herself. <laughs>
2: I do. And then I and then I come right back in and I make sure I have the stuff in my office to freshen up. Yeah. And then I get back on with my day and I find that my concentration is so much better and I go home just feeling like, gee, I got 15 or 30 minutes to myself today.
1: I'm glad you mentioned concentration because that's another thing where, you know, all of us are kind of, you know putting in long hours, kind of working ourselves to death, or at least, you know, even during uh, pandemic times, because you've lost your commute, you kind of go directly to work, things like that have happened for you. Concentration is one of those things where, you know, I had seen another um, video of a PhD that was kind of studying that. And they said, you know, if you need to take a break, I would rather you take a break, a five minute break, And then your concentration can at least continue versus sort of spiraling downwards Mm -hmm. because you're just focusing on it for an hour versus taking these small breaks, Mm -hmm. freshening you up, coming back to it and getting back into it, which is again, kind of going to your philosophy about the snackable, you know, exercises.
2: I think there are ways we can all fit in exercise without having to drive to a gym. Yeah. Especially in this era, in this, you know, um, uh, and my audience knows it's now, hard for me
1: to, to do that. So yeah.
2: It's all about Zoom. You know? Yes. But the last thing I was going to say is you know, just thinking about heart health, we know that the mind is so important. We know that depression and anxiety affects the risk of your first event in terms of cardiac disease and also the, the risk of recurrence, particularly for women. Um, and this, it's so important, especially as, um, as we juggle home and work, to really be able to shut your mind off at the end of the day turn your computer off and turn social media and your phone off and I personally can do a better job of some of that too and really try to disconnect
1: yeah no that's that's absolutely important and and we hear it and we're almost numb to it but it almost feels like you have to um, really just live it and and make sure that that you're doing it very consciously because you hear it subconsciously but you you have to make a concerted effort yeah
2: I think it has to be on your calendar yeah type of thing
1: <laughs> well if you had to give advice or a piece of advice to your younger self oh. what would it be
2: oh it would it would be <laughs> be kind to yourself yeah, you you know
1: sounds like you were yeah. very hard on yourself early years, and
2: I was I was very hard on myself. I was probably my own worst critic. I still am. Yeah. Um. And uh, I think just knowing that you you are, um, good the way you are, yeah. And you're beautiful, and um, you're strong, and um, you know, as long as you try your best, um, uh, you know. You just have to kind of ride the wave of life yeah yeah
1: no that's really good advice and sometimes it just needs a minute to sink in yeah well last question I know you're you're a busy gal um what advice would you give to someone applying to medical school today
2: oh well that's a loaded question <laughs> um I would say that you know one thing that I underestimated um And probably still don't quite um, appreciate is how powerful your degree is and how much you can do with a medical degree beyond just being a researcher or being a clinical doctor Um, and I think that um, not being afraid to explore those opportunities um, is something I wish I had um, learned early on Um, and really just being Open-minded. Um, I think sometimes in medicine we we um, pretend that there's only one way to do things, um, mm-hmm. especially if you've trained in very traditional institutions. Um, and um, I think just uh, keeping your options open, thinking creative creatively. Uh, and being open to learning about what else you can do with a medical degree, um, because in the end, that will leave you feeling empowered and that will leave you feeling like you have a choice. Um,
1: well, I, I love that you you said that and that we're ending on that note because You know, a lot of what um, even my friends that came out with MBAs, they said the MBA made me more risk averse, even though I studied business cases all day long. Uh, and the fact that, you know, just because you have a medical degree doesn't mean you have to stay in medicine your whole life. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you kind of open your eyes and look around the world, there are health tech companies and technologies infiltrating the world. There's so many things that, you know, we need doctors like you in other fields to make sure that it's, it's credible, it's better, it's done with integrity And, you know, these are the things that can, you can have a meandering path. Like we, we had another doctor on the show earlier, Mm -hmm. um, in quite a meandering path and it was fulfilling because you kind of used all aspects of your experience into something else. And, um, I love that you said that. So, you know, the, the folks that are applying to medical school today, um, you know, just know that it doesn't have to be a linear path.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, good. Well, Dr. Shah... Thank you for making me heart healthy, and uh, I, I hope the, the the female audience understands the uh, you know the women's health and and um, how important that is, and and you know, uh, cardiac disease is is prevalent in both uh, men and women, and and the stats uh, are what they are, and so we want to make sure that you know you guys are all living a heart healthy life, and. You know, from, from my understanding, it's, you know, cardiac disease is the number one killer in women, um, which is something I didn't know. And, and Dr. Shaw can obviously speak to that, um, and which is why she is so focused. So we really appreciate you being here. We hope that everybody learned uh, something. But, uh, you know, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Dipali. <laughs>
1: Do you have a question for the recruiter or want to feature your company on the podcast? Send me a note at wwddpodcast@gmail.com, and I might be able to help. Also, if you found any of this advice helpful, I want to hear from you about it. You can tweet me at wwddpodcast or call and leave me a voicemail at 914-713-5330. I might even play your voicemail on the show. Finally, I would love it if you would please subscribe for free and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. That really helps people find the show. And that means I can help more people. And you know, it's just goodness all around. We're here to build a community and empower professionals every day. Please stay tuned for a great lineup of guests, including TV news anchors, Instagram influencers, fashion designers, public relations professionals, management consultants, rock star doctors to the stars, and more. I'm Dipali Vyas. Thanks for listening.